0: We're going to continue uh, through the book of Acts. We've been in uh, Acts uh, for about a month and a half now, uh, maybe two months. Uh, Last Sunday night, we were in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to move right ahead to Acts chapter 7. I told somebody that. They asked me a couple days ago, what are you preaching on this week? And I said, well, we're just going to continue on in Acts. Uh, We're going to go to Acts chapter 7. They said, well, you're not doing anything special for Easter Hey, it's all special, isn't it? I mean, there's not like a special section in your bible, you know. Turn to the special parts, you know. Uh, hey, it, it's it's all, it's all good and and we are in fact Going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ by taking a look at what he's doing right now. uh, What he's doing after his death, after his ascension. Uh, We get a good glimpse of that in Acts chapter 7. We see him at the the right hand of God. We see what he's doing in people's lives. And so uh, I happen to think this is a special Easter sermon. So, Acts chapter 7. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 51. Okay? Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You can follow along in the screens or in your Bible. We're picking up at the end of Stephen's sermon, okay? So we're right at the end of his sermon, this is what he says. "'You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did, your fathers, uh, did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you've now betrayed and murdered.' You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man, that's Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Jesus, we thank you. For dying on the cross for our sins, we thank you Jesus, that you paid the penalty that we could not pay. Thank you Jesus, that you you live you are alive today you you are are at the right hand of the Father, uh, holding all power and all glory and all authority and Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would would use. You would use your word today to accomplish its purpose in our hearts. We pray that the Spirit of God would would work, that you would fill us with yourself, that you would empower us, God, to live as you lived. Father, we ask that you would work today in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot of different ways to die. You probably uh, are familiar with that. Uh, I think there's even a TV show. I've not seen it, but people have told me about it that uh, basically just talks about different ways that people have died, strange ways, I guess, that people have died. Uh, That's not really been my experience. Uh, I've done 84 funerals since I've been here uh, at Lincoln Avenue. And my experience is that most people die of disease or of old age or their heart gives out or a blood clot. Uh, causes a stroke or a heart attack or they have cancer or something like that a few others die in in tragic accidents um probably the best that that you could hope for that we could hope for probably in our hearts that we hope for is is maybe something like dying in our sleep after uh, maybe a time with our family and being gathered together with the grandchildren at a ...at a ripe old age and simply to go to sleep one night and to wake up into glory. That, that's probably what most people kind of hope for, envision uh, leaving this planet as. But let me, let me tell you, that's not the way that Stephen died. Uh, that's not the way that he left this earth. Stephen was a young man... He was in the prime of his life. He had a bright future ahead of him. Uh, Stephen died unexpectedly. There probably was no saying goodbye to his mom or his dad or his brothers or his sisters. Or if he had a family, if he had a wife, we're not sure. Maybe children, maybe he had young children. Uh, There was none of that. Stephen left one day. uh, He did not come home from uh, having gone to to the synagogue uh, to talk about Jesus. Rather than dying surrounded by friends and family, Stephen died surrounded by people who hated him. Instead of slipping away in a quiet room, Stephen died while being cursed and screamed at by angry men. Uh, Rather than dying in a bed and passing away as your body shuts down, Stephen died a painful and a brutal death as one rock after another crushed his, his bones and smashed his arteries and cracked his skull. Nobody wants to die like Stephen died. But yet, as we look at this the thing that, that that is very very vivid to me is that Stephen died in a truly exceptional manner, okay. Now, now, what I mean by that is, I, I guess, you know, when you ask the question, you know, how do people die, there's, there's, there's two different answers to that question. You know, the one answer is, you know, did, how, how did they die? What, what caused their heart to stop beating? What caused their mind, to, their brain to start waving? But, but, but the bigger question, I think the more interesting question when you say, how did someone die, is the question of this, how are you going to face death? Okay? how are you going to face it? How, how will you die in the sense of how will you spawn respond to the to the reality that you 're about to leave this world to the reality that your your days are up and that there 's no more opportunities and everything that you 've ever known you 're about to leave How will you respond to the reality that you 're about to stand before your creator and the judge of the universe? How will you handle that? How will you die in the sense of, of how will you you respond to that reality and this is where Stephen really shines. I mean, while violent men begin to murder Stephen, he is perfectly calm. And as you read through this, and I would encourage you just to read it over and over again, it just blows your mind at at the calmness of this guy, at the joy of this guy, at the the hopeful anticipation, while rocks are being hurled to crush him, he prays for those who are hurling them, okay? His life is about to end, and yet joyfully, he's calling out to Jesus, he's ready to come home, receive my spirit. He's surrounded by a murderous mob, but, but he sees right past them, and his focuses on the glorious king okay now now listen here's what i want to tell you today a man can only die that way because jesus is alive today okay do you understand that there's no way for stephen to die that way there's no way for someone to face a murderous mob and watch as they as they kill him there's no way for someone to die in this incredible manner unless jesus lives today I'm really convinced that a man cannot courageously and peacefully face leaving the only world he's ever known. Leaving family and children and plans of growing old and retirement and grandchildren and seeing his own children grow. I'm convinced that a man cannot courageously and peacefully leave spring afternoons and and front yard playing catch with your son. And summer bike rides and vacations and lunches with friends and cuddling with your three-year-old while you watch Phineas and Ferb. I can't imagine a man peacefully leaving all of that. Unless there is something utterly amazing on the other side, okay, and that's what we see here today—that a man can only die like Stephen died because Jesus lives today, and Jesus is alive, and because He's alive and because He's active. You know, a lot of times when when people think when when they hear the uh, the Easter story, Jesus is alive, they're just like, oh wow, you know, I'm glad He's not dead. You know, I felt really bad; that He had to die for our sins and. Wow, thank's God for coming through and, and 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 you know he's not dead so we can all kind of be happy about that. Man, there's there's a bigger thing at issue here. The fact that Jesus is alive means he's working today, okay? Jesus is not in retirement. He's at the right hand of the throne of God and he is producing things in the lives of those who belong to him people like Stephen, hopefully people like yourselves this morning Jesus is alive and one of the things he's doing we see in Stephen is he's reproducing his own life in those who belong to him we don't have time to do this but but it's really interesting to walk through just the life of Stephen not only the way he dies right here but just his entire life and look at the parallels in Jesus life, Real, really what Jesus is doing is, is Jesus is enabling Stephen to face wicked and evil men just as Jesus faced wicked and evil men, Jesus is an enabling stephen to to suffer as he did and to forgive people as he did and to trust the father as he did and to be willing to sacrifice as he did and to be willing to hold loosely to this world and firmly to the next just like jesus did that's that's what that's what the living lord is doing here in acts chapter 7 now now let's back up a little bit because some of you may be scratching your head and saying okay Who is Stephen, all right? Who is Stephen, and why are people throwing rocks at him, all right? That's a great question, so let's just cover that real quick. Last Sunday night, we looked in Acts chapter 6, and the church has got a problem... Hey, did you know the church has have problems? Did, did you know that? Churches do have problems. That That's a true statement, okay? And, and if you're looking for a church without a problem, uh, this is probably not the place for you. I'm sorry to tell you that. But we, we've got a few, and, and I can tell you about them afterward. I can even point out people. No, I won't do that. But... But we, we we every church has problems. This church had problems, and one of the church problems in the church in Acts chapter six was the widows, the Hellenistic widows, okay, a certain group of widows, were feeling neglected. They weren't getting taken care of. They they were getting overlooked in the daily distribution of food and resources, and it wasn't anything anybody did purposely. Just the fact of the matter that the, the, the church was growing, it's growing really rapidly, and it was hard to keep up, and, and people people aren't perfect, and so people felt neglected. And, and so what the church does is they say, Okay, we're gonna appoint seven guys to distribute the resources to these these ladies and Stephen is one of those guys, okay? He's one of the guys that's going to take care of the widows. He's a guy full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody trusts him. He's a godly man. So man, we're going to put you and six other guys in charge of this ministry and they do that. But you know what? In his spare time when he's not handling the church finances and not taking care of widows, you know what Stephen's doing? He's out on the streets talking about Jesus. That's what he really loved to do. And so one day he's out talking about Jesus and people get really angry with him. Some of the same people that killed Jesus get really angry that Stephen won't stop talking about him. They try to argue with him, but man, Stephen's got such a great spirit. In Acts chapter six, verse ten, it says, "But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking." Have you ever argued with someone and, and and man, they just they just drive you in the dirt. You know, I mean, their arguments are so much more compelling than yours that you, that you just get ashamed. Okay, if you're a husband in here this morning, this has happened to you. Okay, you've tried to go toe to toe with your wife, and she just just slashes you up, man, and you come away thinking that didn't go like it was supposed to go you know my mind it, it went a lot better you know okay well these folks are arguing with Stephen and man Stephen just cuts them down I mean his arguments are so compelling and his his use of the scripture is so amazing it makes them really angry and so they so they gather the council they grab him and they they, they drag him to the council and the council is the same people that killed Jesus the same men that, that imprisoned the apostles okay that's who they drag Stephen to And and Stephen gets there and they ask him what his defense is. And he preaches this long sermon. He gives a little history of the Jewish nation. And he ends a sermon like this. Okay, you got to admire a guy like this. He ends a sermon in verse 51. That's where we started reading. He says, you stiff-necked people. That's not a nice thing, by the way, to say something. You stiff-necked people, that means you're stubborn. That means you won't yield to the Lord. That means you're one of those people that says, you know what? I know what God wants me to do, but I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And, I, and I'm going to act well, the way I want to act. And I, I'll, I'll do whatever I want. Okay, that, that's what a stiff-necked person is. Stephen says, you stiff-necked people, you uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of, your, of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. Listen to this. Whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Man, Stephen's been listening to Peter preach, hasn't he? What, what's Peter's sermon? Jesus is awesome and you killed him, all right? Peter does that again and again and again in the book of Acts. And that's the way Stephen ends, ends a sermon, okay? So he preaches this long sermon. He sounds like Peter and, and they pick up rocks to kill him. All right, now back to our point that we began with here is that Jesus is alive and Jesus is reproducing his life. What's he doing up there in heaven? You know what he's doing? He's reproducing his life in those who are connected to him. That's what Jesus is up to now. The work of the Holy Spirit is to reproduce the life of Jesus, to reproduce the way Jesus thinks and the way... Jesus loves and the way Jesus acts and the way he forgives and the, and the, way, the, the way he's holy to reproduce that in his people. And, and God is doing that. Christ is doing that. And, and we see that very vividly here in the life of Stephen in and, and two, two different things here. Stephen says two things as the rocks are being hurled at him that are identical to what Jesus said when he was on the cross. Let, let's look at those real quickly. Number one, he says in verse 59, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, when Jesus was dying on the cross, I don't know if you remember this, in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, when Jesus is, is dying on the cross, and he's hanging there, and he's suffocating to death for you, for your sins, his sins being placed upon, your sins being placed upon him, okay, as he, Jesus is dying there. One of the things that he says, his father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so Stephen, as the rocks are coming at him, he prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, what is Stephen saying? He, you know what he's saying? here. Here's My simple paraphrase. This is not. This has nothing to do with Greek. Nothing to do with anything like that. This is the way I think of it. He's saying, "Jesus, here I come, here I come, Jesus, I'm coming to you." He is rock solid. No pun intended. He's rock solid. Confident. He is confident about where he's going. Do you see that? I mean, there's no doubt in his mind. There's no doubt about what's going to happen to him. He knows he's going to die, and and he knows that when he dies, he will go to be in the presence of Jesus. You see, the Bible teaches us that, that when a believer, a lot of people have questions about this. When a believer dies, what happens? What happens to them when they leave their body? We know their body stays here, and we bury it, but what happens to them? Well, the Bible's very clear about that. They go to be in the presence of Jesus. Is that the final heaven? I don't think it is. I think there's, there's, a, there's a heaven to come, a new heaven a new earth that God's going to create after the judgment day. But, but one thing we know, where will they be? There with Christ. And, and Stephen says that. He says, Lord, receive my spirit. The, to the thief on the cross, you remember that? Here, here's a guy that's blown his life, okay? And in the final moments of his life, his eyes are open and, and he sees the glory of Jesus. And God is so gracious to him and jesus offers salvation he believes and you know what jesus says to him today you'll be with me in paradise not not in a couple thousand years not in a not a week not a month He says, today you know today you're going to be with me in paradise in second corinthians chapter 5 Verse 8, here's what Paul says. Paul says, yes, be of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. Paul says, Paul's not confused about what happens when a believer, a born-again believer, is away from the body. They're at home with the Lord. In in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. He means living or dying. He says, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that's far better Paul says, I want to depart this world, this body, this life, and to be with Christ. How about these guys that were killed for their faith? How about Stephen? How about Peter? How about James? Where are they now? Well, Revelation chapter 6 gives us a little glimpse into heaven. And it says in, uh, in verse 9, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain for the word of God. Where are these guys? They're, they're, they're with Christ. They're with God. They cried out with the holy voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then they were given a white robe and, and told to rest a little while longer. Where are they? They're with God. They're with Christ. And so the Bible is really clear, and, and it's very convincing that when a believer dies, when someone who's connected joined by faith to Jesus Christ, leaves this world, they go to be in the presence of Christ. So Stephen's not wondering. Stephen's not thinking, man, do I got to spend a little time in purgatory? You know I mean? There, there's nothing about that in the scriptures. Stephen's not wondering whether Christianity is really true, or whether he's really joined to Christ. Man, he says, here I come, Jesus. And notice, notice the peace with which this guy handles himself in the time of death. The fear of death is squelched in Stephen's life. Okay, You read this passage, you, you, you see him in his right mind, you see him clear-headed, he, he's not terrified, he, he's not begging for his life, he's not trying to pull a Jason Bourne. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot of us, that's what we try to do, wouldn't we? I mean, we've seen enough of those movies. We think, all right, there's only 20 of these guys. You know, Bourne does that all the time. They're surrounded by the guns. You know, they got guns, and he gets out, you know. You know, break a couple necks, you know, punch a couple guys, blow out some knees, jump down the staircase into the crowded room. You might get shot in the arm or something, but you're okay. You get away. I mean, Stephen's not doing any of that. He's not crying. He's not shaking. He's not panicking. There's no fear of death in this guy. How? How? Because Jesus is alive. And Jesus, the living Jesus, is reproducing in Stephen his life. That's what's happening. The second thing that Stephen says in verse 60 is the last thing he says before he dies Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Have you ever had someone hate you? Maybe yes. You ever have someone hate you? That's a that's that's a disturbing thing. That's an unsettling thing, isn't it? When when somebody really hates you, when someone really doesn't like you, when someone hates you to the point that they're they're going to do things to make your life hard, they're going to do things to hurt you. They're going to do things to hurt your family. They're going to do things to take away your future. And in this case, they're going to do things to end your life. You know what's natural for you? Okay, let me tell you what's natural for you. What's natural for you is is to hold a grudge and and to use your mind, if not your body and your hands or whatever resources you have, but at least to use your mind to punish that person, right? And to think of all the different ways that they're going to be sorry and all the different ways that, that they're going to get it and all the different ways that they're going to get theirs, right? that That's what's natural. What's natural for you is to pray for yourself, you know? When people are hating you and when people are, are coming against you, the natural thing is to pray for yourself and to, and to set your hope on vengeance. What's natural for you is to lash out with angry words toward people. But listen, listen, Jesus is alive, okay? He's alive, and so Stephen is not doing what is natural. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is producing in Stephen his own life, and so Stephen is doing something very different. Stephen's doing what Jesus did from the cross do you guys remember that when Jesus was on the cross in Luke chapter 23 verse 34 Jesus says father forgive them for they don't know what they do Forgive these Roman guys who've just tore the flesh off my back. Forgive these guys that have just driven nails into my hands and into my feet. Forgive these guys that have put a crown of thorns on my head. And even though I'm their creator and I'm their sovereign Lord, they, they pushed the crown of thorns and they put a purple robe on I me and they spit in my face and, and, and they mocked him. And Jesus his Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And so Stephen, as, as he's in this moment of being attacked and being maligned and, and, and being harmed and being killed, Stephen, Stephen is, is doing something very different than what is natural for his flesh to do, which would be to take revenge, to hate that person, to wish harm upon them. Stephen's not doing that. You know, what, you know what Stephen's doing? Stephen is praying for them. He's praying for their salvation. He's praying for their forgiveness. Notice verse 60 is a prayer. And it's a prayer that's uttered in the midst of being stoned. Okay? Anybody have... Uh, anybody struggle with distraction in their prayer life, huh? yeah, everybody, you know, you, you, you start to pray. And it's something we really got to discipline ourselves for. It's something because our mind wanders and we've got all this other stuff pulling at us, so that's not as important. And so, so our mind gets kind of carried away. But but it's, it's amazing to me. The stoning starts in verse 59. And as they were stoning Stephen, okay? So, so picture it. I brought, I brought a little visual here. We used this the other day in our teen kid ministry. Uh, Doc and Tony's class we had the kids so we had the boys we figure if people to, our kids are going to be good religious leaders they've got to learn how to stone somebody because that's all in the Bible no we really didn't do that we actually had them do it we did man kind of a test of manliness you know we had them throw this rock but anyway it was game but someone's throwing this at you not, not in a game but they're screaming at you. And in their face you see rage. And, and they're running. To, to throw this at your head. That would be hard to pray. Wouldn't it? Are you seeing the amazingness of what happens here in Acts chapter 7? This guy, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the living Jesus is able in the midst of that he's able to pray for these people now you might say well it would be awful natural pastor to pray for myself that's not what he's doing he's praying for them he he's asking God not to punish them. he's asking God not not to bring what they deserve not to bring vengeance he's He's asking that they not be held accountable for the sin that they're doing. How supernatural is that? How often is it your desire? I mean, your passion. God, hold that person accountable for what they did to me. How many times do you pray with the veins in your neck showing, God... They deserve it. God, you, I'm not going to take vengeance because I'm, I'm holy and spiritual, but God, I want you to really get them. You know, I mean, that that's natural. And, and, and vengeance is the Lord's. I mean, that's true. Vengeance is the Lord. I'm not arguing with that, but I'm just saying, here's a guy, here's a guy that in the midst of people murdering him, he's asking God to minister to their souls. One of the things that the resurrection means is that the living Jesus is active in giving believers everything they need. Okay? Part of of why Easter is a really cool day for us is because here's what we know. Jesus is not dead. He's not dead. He's alive and well, and he is right now looking after my soul. He is right now giving me he's he's aware of what i'm going through he, he he's aware of what i'm feeling he's aware of what i'm facing he's aware of my weakness he's aware of all of that and jesus is giving me he, he's working in my life he, he's he's distributing to me everything that i need in time of trial stephen's in a trial isn't he i mean whenever an angry mob's trying to crush your skull with rocks that's a trial and, and what is it that stephen needs he he needs something he needs somebody he's alone and did you notice that I mean, during his trial and persecution, the, at least in the scriptures, not one other believer is mentioned. From what we know, Stephen is alone. It's him and this mob of people that hate him, okay? No encouragers, no one defending Stephen. Where's Peter? Where's John? Where's James? Where's Mary? Where's Martha? We don't read anything about him. We don't know where they are. Stephen is alone, but he's not alone. Why? And nor, a believer is never really alone. Why? Because Jesus is alive and Jesus is you know, Paul said this about himself in Second Timothy during his trial. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he says, In my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me, may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. The Lord stood by me. That's what, that's what Paul says in, in, in a real way. Stephen here Jesus is with him Jesus is shown to him okay Stephen is sustained with a glimpse of the glory of the resurrected Christ let me ask you this what does a person need to be able to be at peace through a violent death what does a person need to be able to forgive and genuinely pray for the welfare of those who hate you what does a person need to be at peace when literally your life is threatened you know you know what you need You know, our our tendencies to say, well, I need the threat to be taken away. You know, I need the the guys to all be, you know, slaughtered. I need, I need the path cleared. I need to, you know, you know what you need? Acts chapter 7 shows us what you need. You need to see a glimpse of the glory of God. Okay. What does Jesus do for Stephen? You know what he does? He shows him a glimpse of himself. That, that changes everything. Look, look in verse 55. Verse 55 says, But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God. He saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Let me tell you, you got struggles in your life, you got pressure in your life, you got difficulties in your life, you got guilt in your life, you got problems, whatever's in your life, you know what you really need? I'm convinced of this. You need to see the glory of God. That's what you need more than anything else. It's to see the glory of God. What's the glory of God? It's the culmination of all of His perfections. Okay? Who is God? All that is good. All that is satisfying. All that is beautiful. All that is powerful and exciting and loving and gracious and hospitable. And genuinely appealing and lovely and holy and pure. Is a billion times perfected in the nature and the person of God. Okay? What does Stephen sees? He sees God. He sees Christ. Okay? He sees Christ and that vision of the glory of God is sufficient to sustain Stephen through the murderous attack of evil men. Why could Stephen do what he did here? Because he saw the risen Jesus. That changed everything in this guy's life. That settled his soul. That gave him peace. That gave him strength. It gave him the ability to be bold even when attacked. It gave him the ability to be joyful about parting with the pleasures of this life. Man, I want you, those of you here who are, here, who are with us Friday, night at fifth street man think about think about the contrast between judas and stephen okay remember what jesus himself said about judas You know, Judas, who rejected Christ, who had all this light given to him, who heard the gospel time and time and time and time again, but Judas wouldn't yield to it. He wouldn't surrender his life to it. And you remember what Jesus said when he died, when Judas was was going going to hang himself and enter eternity? Jesus said it would be better for that guy if he were never born. In other words, pile up all the pleasures of Judas' life, all the good things in his life, all the good things of his family, all the good things of, of 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 whatever God had given him in his life, and they didn't measure to anything compared to the horror that was to come because of rejecting Jesus Christ. All right, now co- contrast Judas with Stephen. Okay, Stephen, the heavens opened up for Stephen, and what awaited Stephen was so incredibly glorious that it was worth giving up everything in this life. Folks, we need to see that this world is not all there is. <laughs> you know, isn't it interesting that that physically, okay, right around him, you know, all that was around Stephen was angry men. Men who rejected him, men who told him he was a fool, told him he was wasting his life, told him he had a false message. All, the, all, all Stephen could physically see around him was violence and, and pain and death. There's another world. There's another world. And God opened the heavens that Stephen might see the glory of God. He might see Jesus joyfully accepting him. Folks, that was enough for Stephen. That that transformed this guy. And and there's many times in our lives where all we can see is the, the junk of this world. All we can see is failure. And all we can see is suffering and tragedy and difficulty and aloneness. And what we really need to see is we need to see... The glory of Jesus Christ in the scriptures and through prayer and and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, the glory of God enabled Stephen to be at peace in the midst of threat and enabled him to love cruel and wicked men who wanted to kill him. And folks, here's what I believe. Jesus will do that for us just as he did that for Stephen. He died on the cross for you and I. Amen. All right. The Bible is so clear about that. Okay, but what it's also clear about is because we know that God didn't spare his son. Here's the way Romans puts it. Romans 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What is that verse saying? It's saying, you know what? If God didn't hold back giving us Jesus Christ, the most precious thing in all the universe... Then we should have no doubt that God will not, God will not hold back in giving us everything that we need to live, to love, to be like Him, to be holy. 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen describes the process in our life. It says in verse eighteen, "And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord." What, what did Stephen see? The glory of the Lord. What happened? Man, he was, he was empowered, okay? But, but listen to the rest of this. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. Every time you open your Bible and you see the glory of Jesus, every time you're in your quiet time and you're reading and God opens your eyes and you're like, wow, you know, or you see his promise or you see his truth, you know what's happening? You're, you're being changed from one degree of glory to another. The Bible says Jesus is alive and well. And another thing he's doing is welcoming his people to glory. Lots of people have really been fascinated with why is Jesus standing have you ever heard a sermon on that? Why is Jesus standing? I don't know that anybody really knows to answer that. Actually, lots of people have speculation. But we do know that almost everywhere else in the New Testament, actually everywhere else in the New Testament, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And there, there's, a very, there's a very significant reason for that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, what The implication there is he's finished. It's done. It's completed, you know. I mean, whenever you do a hard day's work and you get uh, your your thing accomplished, what do you do? Man, I'm done. I'm done. I'm I'm sitting down. I'm finished. Okay? And so the implication in in the New Testament is that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. He completed your redemption. All is done for you. Okay? There's no more. You don't don't need to add any of your works to it. Okay? That's silly. Your works aren't worth anything. Okay? Jesus paid it all. And and so He sits down because He's completed. Okay? But for some reason, here in Acts chapter 7 he's standing he's standing and, and so a lot of people have tried to speculate why, why is he standing some people have wondered well you know maybe it's like Luke chapter 12 verse 8 and 9 says and I tell you everyone who acknowledges me before men the son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of heaven you know, the Bible says if if we're not embarrassed of Jesus, if we're not embarrassed of publicly saying, I belong to him, you know, I'm, I'm going to be baptized to, to, to demonstrate, you know, that, that I, I'm connected to Jesus' death and his burial and resurrection, that's for me. Those who aren't embarrassed of Jesus, you know what the Bible says? He, he'll acknowledge us. He won't be embarrassed of us. And so, so a lot of people think Jesus stood to, to announce to the angels, hey, this guy's mine right here. He's coming. And, and other people have speculated, no. I think Jesus was welcoming Stephen home. Maybe that was so. I don't know. Sure seems feasible, doesn't it? Knows how it ends. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now is is Luke confused? I don't think so because Luke was a doctor. Okay? The guy that wrote Acts is a doctor, okay? And so, you know, there's some times where. I'm confused, you know. I've, I remember sneaking up on my grandpa before while I was on the couch and I couldn't decide, you know. And all of a sudden he, you know, he's okay. He's alive, you know. I mean, So is, is he confused, you know. I mean, rocks have pelted this guy until he's not twitching anymore. And yet Stephen says, or I'm sorry, Luke says, and when he had said this, he, he fell asleep. No, nobody's confused here. In fact, Paul uses this, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. You'll see, he says, the believers who are asleep. Okay, why, why, why asleep? You know why? Because death is not really death for a believer. It's it's just not. It's it's so radically different. It's 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 not even the same anymore. It, it, it's more like sleep. Sleep is pleasant, right? I mean, how many of you, after a long day, you kind of look forward to crawling in the bed and then checking out? You know, I I do. I'm I'm a big fan of sleep, you know. And, And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a joyful thing. It's a temporary thing. It implies you'll wake up. One last question. One last question. There's probably still some of you wondering, and maybe not about Stephen, but I bet you wonder this about other people. Why, why did Jesus let him die? You ever wanted that about anybody? Some good person in your life? I, I know Tony had a really close friend. He was a, actually served the youth in this church. His name was Sean Ray. Prime of his life. Minister. Everybody prayed. God heal him. And he died. You know, you especially wonder that because, like, back in Acts chapter 5, remember this? Verse 19, the apostles are in jail, and it looks like they're going to die. But verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. You know, what I, mean? I mean, it's not like God couldn't do whatever He wants. I mean, where's Jesus? He's at the right hand of the throne of God. All power is His. I mean, all He's got to do is speak the word Stephen's delivered. All He's got to do is say it. He's standing up. All he's got to do is point, and the attackers are obliterated. The rocks stop in midair. Stephen gets stoned, but he doesn't die. That happened to Paul. Remember that? I mean, Jesus can do whatever he wants. He could change their hearts. Their eyes could be blinded. God did that in the Old Testament. But but, but for some reason, Jesus is standing, and he's aware, and he's watching Stephen, and he knows what's happening, and he doesn't do anything. He lets him die. And a lot of people will have a real struggle with that. But my friends, here's what I want you to embrace. God has a plan, okay? And God is working out His sovereign plan to bring the whole universe to one glorious and victorious end. And in everything, God is active in that. Notice verse 58. Then they cast Him out of the city and stoned Him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Who's there? Who's there listening to this sermon of Stephen? Who's there? Who's there? Holding the cloaks while these guys pick up the rocks. Who's there when the rocks start flying? Who hears Stephen say, Lord Jesus, I see him. He's at the right hand of God. Who hears that? Who hears him say, Jesus, receive my my spirit? Who hears him say, Lord, forgive these guys. Forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Saul. Who would become the apostle Paul? who would write 13 books in the New Testament, who would take the gospel, who, who would be the most efficient tool almost the Lord has probably ever made to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Saul was there. And let me tell you, what he saw, he never forgot. You know how I know that? Because decades later in Acts chapter 22, as, as he's given his testimony, here's what he says. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, Paul still remembers, doesn't he? He he still sees the blood running down the stone. I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. My friends, God's got a plan. We can trust him, can't we? He's at work. This whole deal is going And the way he's going to take it. And Jesus Christ is going to reign forever and ever. I guess the real question is, is he going to be your king? That's the question for each of us, isn't it? Is he going to be your king? Do you see his glory? Stephen saw his glory. Do you see that he's everything that you need? Do you see that that, that he, he is... He is what will satisfy your soul. He is what will forgive your sins. He is what will give purpose to your life. Do you see that? And, and if you see it, you'll turn from your sins. You'll put your faith in Him and you'll follow Him. You'll follow Him all the way, even to death. Just as Stephen did. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for, for men like Stephen. God, I, I thank You that You are mighty to empower and to strengthen and to, to enable Stephen to live as he did and to die as he did. And Father, I ask you, God, to, to strengthen us, Lord. To empower us. To reproduce your life in us. Make us like you, Lord Jesus. Make us like you. I pray for those here today who, who have maybe never, never yielded themselves to you, Lord. May, maybe there's people here who are stiff-necked. Who refuse to to bow their head to you. God, I pray that today, Lord, they would yield themselves. They would surrender. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.